What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Uncommon Sense. I'm your host, Kevin Tony. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening wherever you are. Today, I want to talk about a problem that I see for black conservatives. Black conservatives could be in trouble just from my opinion and from my, my point of view and my perspective. And I want to talk about that and kind of dive into it because it's something that's been on my mind for a couple of weeks based on some things that I've seen on social media and some things that have been on my mind, really, you know, some trends that I'm noticing uh, or just being made aware of, really, to be honest, that I feel should be discussed, you know, from my opinion. But before I get to where I'm going, I have to take you back so you'll understand my personal journey as it relates to this subject. So we'll go back in time. Um, Politically, you know, growing up, I never was into politics. I didn't take it seriously. It was a non-factor in my life, you know, growing up. My dad was not into politics. You know, my my grandparents were not, you know, they weren't really politically minded. So, you know, my family was, was typically... You know, like most families uh, in the black community, we just really, you know, politics really didn't get discussed. Um, And so I had no baseline, no frame of reference to have any sort of political, you know, point of view. And so as I got older and got into, you know, got on my own and started to, you know, pay attention to politics in, in certain degrees, I had a, it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting start. So from what I can remember, I I spent some time going back in my mind and and the first election that I can remember that I voted in on my own, my first presidential election was, uh, John Kerry. He ran against George Bush. Um, I think that's right, but you can fact check me. But I was at living in Atlanta at the time. And, you know, I used to watch CNN quite a bit. I was totally sucked into the CNN, you know, loop in that bubble. I had, you know, a lot of their anchors were some of my favorites. Um, Roland Martin, you know, Frederica Whitfield, Wolf Blitzer, uh, those guys, John King, um, I used to enjoy their commentary on on CNN. Um, I used to love, you know, watching the late night shows. You know, Larry King, of course, um, that wasn't that was more, you know, from an interview conversational perspective than, you know, mainly politically driven. But I was all in on the CNN bus and, you know, I, I felt like, you know, looking at you know, the election that was coming up, I, you know, I was, there was some excitement like, this is my first election that I'm getting ready to, to, to vote in. And there was no question in my mind that I was going to vote Democrat. Um, I, in my mind, I was a Democrat because my father was, my grandfather was, you know, both my grandfathers were, um, and I'm sure their grandfathers before them, it was just, you know, one of those things that's typical in the black community that, you know, we're, we're just, we're typically, we typically lean democratically. And when I was looking at, you know, the 
the you know the difference between John Kerry and you know um, George Bush. To be honest, in my naivety, I lean towards John Kerry one because he was a Democrat. I, I thought I liked him because, in my opinion, he looked like a retired superhero to me. And when I saw him, I was like, you know what? This guy, he looks like he's trustworthy. He's got the jawline of a leader. You know, he just he came across as somebody that you looked at as they had the qualifications. They looked leaderly, (laughs) if I can make up that word. But he had a leaderly look about him. And so um, I, I remember on Election Day. I got up the polling place that I had to go vote at was right next door to the apartment I was living in at the time in Buckhead. And I got up, you know, it was close enough for me to walk my polling place. And I remember getting up early in the morning. It was still dark outside. I went to the polling place. I got in line. Um, I voted. I pulled the lever for John Kerry. And then I went back home and I got ready for work. And I felt pretty good. You know, having done my civic duty and got my I voted sticker and, you know, I was it was I was glad to wear it to work that day to let everybody know that I had participated. And I remember coming home from work that day and I stayed up late watching the returns come in and I saw George Bush won and I was, you know, really disappointed. But, you know, hey, the next election will come around. We would win the second time. So. Uh, fast forward to the following election, I had relocated from Atlanta to Charlotte, North Carolina, and you know Barack Obama was the nominee. And I had remember seeing Barack Obama speak at the DNC, and I remember how charged his speech was. I really don't remember everything he said. I knew he was charismatic, I knew he was engaging, and I knew that everybody was listening to every word that he said, including me. And I remember saying to myself at the time, like, this guy is going to be president. And, you know, fast forward, you know, he wins the nomination, his name is on the ticket. And there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that I was going to be casting a vote for Barack Obama. Um, I really didn't understand his agenda. I really didn't know his platform, what he stood for politically. I really had no interest in that. And and again, full disclosure, I was voting for him because he was black. One, you know, one because he was black. And I felt like, you know what, you know, let's do something different. You know, let's vote for the black guy. He looks like me. You know, he's um, you know, he can he can you know, he can relate to some of the issues and struggles that, you know, blacks have had in America. You know, he looks like he comes from a loving family. Him and Michelle look like that their relationship and their marriage is ironclad. And he just was all around just like, you know, how I viewed John Kerry when I went to vote for him. I had a perception of Barack Obama on the onset, you know, based on his physical appearance. And so um, I remember my fiance at the time, we went to go early vote for Barack Obama in the 2008 election. And we early voted. And even by early voting, the enthusiasm was so high 
to vote for this guy that we waited in line for eight hours on a Saturday to vote for Obama. And it was a big deal like that eight hours in line. You know, we were excited to be there. Everybody was there was this, you know, excitement in the atmosphere. Nobody was complaining about how long it was taking. You know, people, we just felt like we were a part of history. We're getting ready to vote for the first black, you know, um, legit um, presidential candidate. You know, no shade to any of the other um, blacks that have run for president in the past, in the past um, i.e. Jesse Jackson, um, you know, Alan Keyes ran uh, for president, which I'll circle back to him. But, you know, I it was just Obama was it. He had the it factor, you know, his message of, you know, yes, we can. And, um, you know, hope and unity and just change, you know, it resonated with everybody in America. And so he was overwhelmingly voted in as the first, you know, black president of the United States. And so, you know, it was great. It was a good time. It was a good feeling. I still really wasn't paying attention to politics on the level that I do now at that time. Um, but something started happening, um, you know, 2012, you know, rolled around and there was no question that I wasn't, you know, that we weren't going to vote for Obama again for his second term. Um, so, you know, we cast our votes again and right around 2013, 2014, I started looking at things a little bit differently. I was seeing some things that didn't quite square with me. Um, and so I started it started me on a path to asking some questions that I needed to find answers to. And these were internal questions that I was asking because, you know, you couldn't verbalize it. You couldn't say anything bad about Barack Obama. He was, you know, the golden child of the black community. It just was not, you know, any, any talk against him was, you know, in line with the Fox news rhetoric. And because I was in that bubble of CNN in that vacuum, I fully embraced the idea that CNN was right. You know, that outlets like Fox News were racist against black people. Um, I had bought into that lie uh, that there was, you know, racial tension against, you know, black, black people, period. I felt like, you know, I believed that Fox News hated Obama because he was black. And so I dismissed you know, anything as anything that they had to say about the president, I dismissed immediately because I felt like it was coming from a biased um, perspective and I just didn't listen to it. And so around, you know, the time when I started asking myself these questions about what was happening in the political landscape that I didn't understand, certain things that didn't gel with me, I started a journey a solo journey to get some answers and make some changes. And, you know, what, you know, what I found about when you start doing research that a lot of times you're not going to be comfortable with the information that you find, because more than likely it's going to bump up against the narrative that you have set in your mind. And so 
I started seeing some of these uncomfortable truths about, you know, the Democratic Party, you know, some of these realities about, you know, from a historical perspective, not just historical, but in a in a present tense, you know, frame of frame of mind, what was happening, you know, just all around the country and how their policies were impacting, you know, what we were doing and what we were seeing and after doing all that research i quietly made the decision to change my voter registration from democrat to independent and it wasn't an easy choice for me to make you know i had to ask my myself questions about why was i a democrat in the first place why was my father a democrat why was his father a democrat i never had those conversations because i felt like it was you know too taboo to speak on and the conversation just wouldn't go so well. So I made a decision on my own. Um, my wife and I had been married at that time for four, four years, I think. We've been married for four years. I didn't even tell her that I was changing my registration uh, because I didn't want to. I didn't want her to feel any obligation to make any changes that she wasn't ready for. And so I made the decision. Um, and we were, we didn't really discuss it. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a, something that was just done quietly. And, and that was that. And so I really started paying more attention from that time on to, you know, alternatives to being a Democrat. You know, I, I registered as an independent. I started looking at what, what it meant to be a libertarian. Um, and I finally settled on, you know, I felt like I said, well, I'm not really a Republican because, you know, I had believed again, I had believed the lie that Republicans were racist and they really didn't have the best interests of the black community in, in, you know, in mind. And so I just wasn't sure. So I felt like, you know, I don't have allegiance to either party. So let me register as an independent. And, you know, I did that. And so. When it got time for the 2016 election to come around, I had no idea, you know, what to expect. Um, I was seeing all of these names being thrown out for candidates. You know, I knew Hillary Clinton was going to be um, um you know, her name was 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 out there. And I knew I didn't want to vote for her. I, there was no way that I was going to vote for her. And it's that that voting that me being against Hillary started out, you know, with the idea that, well, your husband was already the president. And I, I'm typically of the mind that as big as America is, as great as this country is, I'm sure that we have more to offer than seeing the same names, you know, regurgitated over and over again when it comes to leadership. So we'd already had, you know, Daddy Bush and George. Um, we had bill clinton and now his wife hillary clinton was was running and i was just like you know who else is out there and when i started looking at some of the republican candidates that stage was so large man the, the list of 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 nominees and the list of candidates was just like man it's like 15 people on this list like who you know how do you start you know making the determination on who to rock with you know in terms of voting and so um, I did my research, you know, then, you know, the, the you know, again, I wasn't voting for Hillary, 
But then the stuff about her email server came out and the private server and what she did when she was a secretary of state. And I definitely that was the nail in the coffin. I said to myself, there's no way that I'm voting for her now. Like, even if I was on the fence, like I'm completely over to one side that there's no way I'm voting for her. Because I felt like at the very least what she did, had I done something like that, I would have been fired from my job. Best case scenario. Criminally prosecuted. Worst case scenario. And I was seeing that it was looking like neither one of those things were going to happen to her. Like she was not going to be punished or investigated or wasn't even. It, she didn't even get. Nobody even really looked looked into her and you know to the degree that I felt like was satisfactory to me and that really left a bad taste in my mouth so I you know that she was definitely off the list and so I'm looking at the field of candidates for Republicans and I'm like man you know who who's there so you know at first I focused in on John Kasich um I thought he was pretty good he seemed he had a lot of good talking points and I kept seeing, you know, Donald Trump. I really thought it was a joke that he was running. You know, um, I just thought he was doing it, you know, just because he was bored. He didn't have anything else to do. So I really was dismissive of him in the beginning. I didn't have any. Um, I didn't have any any inkling. I hadn't. I just wasn't voting for him. So. As he started winning, Donald Trump started winning these primaries and he started cleaning up and racking up these primary victories. And I'm just like, maybe I should start paying attention to this guy. And one by one, he was knocking them out the box. I mean, all the candidates was just falling. I mean, they were just, you know. And so I started warming up to the idea of maybe he can be maybe he you know, maybe there's something here. And when he got the nomination, I said, you know what, let me really examine what this guy's platform is. And, you know, he started his Make America Great Again theme that we all understood. We heard it. And, you know, I started looking at how the news outlets immediately started to paint that saying make america great again as racist like racial like you had black people when was america ever great you know it was never great for black people it was never blah 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 and i'm just like what in the world so at that point i stopped watching news altogether i didn't care who it was it was cnn fox you know msnbc headline news i didn't i stopped watching all of it and was looking for more independent objective voices to get news from and I, you know, the make America great again slogan, you know, Trump was not the first person to use it. There's video out there of Barack Obama using the phrase. There's video that goes back as far as Bill Clinton using it during a State of the Union address. But all of a sudden, because Donald Trump is saying it, it's it's a racial trigger, which I thought was ridiculous. You know, how could something that previous presidents have used be all of a sudden become this inflammatory statement it just was nonsense to me so I started paying attention to what Donald Trump was talking about and I had decided to make the change I kept hearing this word conservative 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 and I'm like what the heck is a conservative so I did my research and I started looking at you know what what I could find as conservative values and I started saying to myself like this is how I feel 
you know, these things, I agree with, you know, the Constitution. I think the Constitution is one of the most brilliant documents um, that's ever been written. I I like the Second Amendment. I think people should carry firearms. You know, I'm pro-life. You know, these are all, you know, from a spiritual perspective, conservative values lined up with, you know, how I cho- chose to live my life. And so I said, well, you know, I guess I'm a conservative. And it took me on a journey to finding conservative voices. And so, you know, hearing, you know, brings me to the reason for uh, today's episode. We talk about the fact that black conservatives have a problem. And it's a it's a problem that I see um, that I think could be very it's a, it's a it's a dangerous problem so you know I, I i found out about candace owens i saw her video where she went viral giving her rant on you know blacks and being democrats and i was like wow man she's you know this chick is right um you know her you know her positions that she took on you know america and you know you once you get into candace owens you know she led me to brandon tatum and, you know, Brandon Tatum, I, I appreciated his his story that he told about how he was against Trump until he made the decision to see for himself if Trump rallies were as racist and full of white supremacists as the mainstream media would say. And hearing his story about how he just decided to go to a Trump rally and when he got there, it was the complete opposite of what it had been painted as in the media to hear him talk about how you know everybody was was cool it was a cool environment everybody was caring you know genuinely you know cared about america and each other you could get a sense of you know patriotism in the atmosphere and it was just this big you know love fest and you know of course there's some knuckleheads and you know that show up to every event but by and large, you know, he said the feeling was, man, this is this is not this guy's not what I've been, you know, I've been told he was. And that's what changed his mind for him. And so I started seeing other stories on YouTube where people would talk about how they decided to go to a Trump rally to see for themselves and to change their minds. So those those people like, you know, Brandon Tatum, Candace Owens, you know, Candace Owens led me to Charlie Kirk and Ben Shapiro. And I started hearing these conservative voices and hearing the positions that they were taking on, you know, life, liberty, how we should be living, you know, the the effect that government should be having on our lives, you know, how we should be able to live without government involvement uh, and, and, and make our own way. You know, they talk about the benefits of why capitalism is good for America and free trade and all of this stuff. And so I resonated with all of that. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, this these people are talking about ideas that I have really, you know, felt for years, but didn't know how to express it. And so I was, you know, I was completely, you know, bought into, you know, the different voices and you started seeing different perspectives uh, from, you know, conservatives like um, Hotep Jesus. I got turned on to him. Then I found Eric July and, you know, Eric July is a libertarian. So these were all black conservatives that 
thought the same way I did. And I'm just, I finally felt like, wow, okay, there's a there's a group that I can align with and and be a part of. And so um, with that being said, I was like, hey, all in. I'm a conservative. There we go. And my wife and I had some discussions about it. I told her what I was doing, uh, you know, what my what my political positions were becoming. Uh, I didn't force her to make a choice. I gave her information. I let her make a choice for herself. I did not tell her that this is what I expect from you. You know, I just told her this is what I'm doing. You're free to do what you want, what you feel is right for for you. So. You know, there we were. And what I've seen, you know, we went to go vote. I voted for Donald Trump that, you know, I was glad to do it. I was glad that he won. I supported his presidency. I was, you know, I I liked the positions that he took. No, I didn't really, you know, like his delivery all the time. I didn't really care for, you know, the way, the manner in which, you know, he came across, but I felt like, you know, he's not a politician. He's not political. He's never been in a political arena before. All he knows is business ownership and, you know, running corporations. And so I felt like maybe we should give him a chance to, you know, give America a chance to have a taste of something different. And I still think to this day, it was good for America to see uh, that somebody who's not a politician can successfully run the country. I won't even talk about coronavirus and COVID-19. I won't, I won't even, I'm not even going to address that in this, this, um, in this podcast. So aside from COVID-19, President Trump's administration was successful in turning the country around, putting America first, um, putting us above other countries, putting us, taking care of home first, which is what resonated with me, that he was, we need to be taking care of what's happening in our country before we can go out and be a help to these other countries. And I've always felt that way in terms of why is America running to go help other countries first before we take care of things that are wrong at home. And so to hear President Trump say, you know, hey, America first, we're going to take care of America, what America's needs before we take any care of anybody else's needs. To me, that was that's just what you do. Um, and so that's that's what I that's you know what I resonated with. So hearing you know these you know I'm now officially a black conservative. Uh, you know I'm I'm labeling myself as a conservative thinker. You know I'm still registered as an independent because I'm not you know I'm not completely Republican. I'm not libertarian. You know completely even though I do hold some libertarian values um, as well. And. It just, you know, just to see, you know, following these voices, the Candace Owenses, you know, and, and, and the rest of the the crew, you start to see, hear, see and hear some things that, you know, make you stop and say, now, wait a minute, you know, what is all the infighting? And I had to go back to, you know. I remember when I was a Demo- when I was, you know, when I felt like I was a Democrat years ago during the Obama years, there was a TV show that I, not a TV show, I'm sorry, a radio show that I used to listen to. There was a young guy, he was an attorney. His name is Warren Ballantyne. I have no idea where he is now. I think he may still be doing radio. But he was the first black radio talk show host that I listened to. Um, 
regularly. I used to listen to his show every day at work um, and hear what he had to say about what was happening in America, you know, how society was shifting and how it affected the black community. And Warren used to have a segment on Fridays. He would do two segments. One where he would have a journalist come on and give perspective on what was happening in our community. And that journalist at the time was Don Lemon. Don Lemon was a nobody then. Like I, he wasn't on CNN. He wasn't even close to CNN then. Uh, and I enjoyed his segments because they were objective. And he wasn't, you know, putting his opinion into what he was reporting. And the flip side of that was the he also did a segment on Fridays where he would have a Republican a black guy named Armstrong Williams. Armstrong Williams was really the first introduction of actually sitting down and listening to a black Republican talk uh, and debate Warren Ballantyne, who was extremely team Obama. I mean, you know, he'd been to the White House. You know, he was able to get an interview with Obama while he was campaigning um, on his radio show. It was a big deal. He regularly had Donna Brazil on the show. Uh, Valerie Jarrett was a regular on his show. And so he was, you know, he was team Obama all the way. And to have him have Armstrong Williams on, who was on the opposite spectrum, and they would debate each other on, you know, the issues. I would dismiss Armstrong Williams, even though he made sense, he spoke well. I would dismiss him because he was a Republican. And in my mind... I really didn't. Yeah, he's not he's not speaking my language, so I don't have to listen to him. When I found myself on my journey through black conservatism, I had to circle back and come back to, you know, Armstrong Williams and say, you know what? Let me start listening to him because he was on to something before I knew he was on to something. And so, you know, these are just the people that, you know, I have started to go back to and almost in my mind, I've, I've had to apologize to these people for how I mislabeled them. You know, like, man, I was wrong about you. You know, uh, I realized, you know, Fox News wasn't racist. They weren't, you know, at least in their reporting. I had to, you know, give a silent apology to Glenn Beck, who I just was like, you know what? This guy hates black people. You know, he's oh, God, Glenn Beck. Don't even don't even bring him up. And I had to apologize to him silently because I was wrong about him because I found a YouTube video where he did an entire segment on his show on Fox News, prime, prime time news show. He did an entire show dedicated to highlighting the first black Republicans in Congress. And it was mind blowing to know that, you know, all of the blacks who were in politics in the beginning, they were Republicans. There were no black Democrats. And to hear that was just like a mind blow for me. And so I had to be like, maybe I was wrong about Glenn Beck. And I started listening to his perspectives. I was wrong about Glenn Beck. And, and so I had to add him to the list of voices that, you know, I could rely on to give sound, rational reasoning, you know, in terms of what the way I felt about the political landscape in America, you know, so I got this long list of, you know, conservative minds that I'm adding, you know, adding to my list, you know, I get turned on, they, they, you know, if you get one, it takes you down a rabbit hole to the another one to, to the next one. So, 
you know, you 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 get turned on to Larry Elder. You get turned on to Thomas Sowell, Bob Woodson. You know, these are all names. You know, then Kingface comes on the scene, and he's you know uh, a voice to kind of pull in the younger kids because you know he brings his conservative thug, or he brought his conservative thug appear uh, uh, you know appearance to the table where he was just this unpolished you know former gang member who was you know a, a fan of Donald Trump and so you know I'm seeing all of these different facets of the black conservative movement and I'm just like really excited that I finally have a group of people that you know I can look at as you know hey man these are the people you know this this is my tribe they can be considered as people that I can rely on to undergird the thoughts that I have in my mind about how I'm feeling about what's happening in America as a society. And let me say this, when I started, when I made the decision to vote, to start changing the way I vote and the way I view politics, I did that more so for my children than I did for myself. Because at my age now, I'm 42 years old. I've always said that I can handle whatever it's coming down the pike. I can deal with it. I've lived long enough to know how to navigate what's happening. But the decisions that I make, I make for my children. You know, my son who's six years old, my daughter who's two years old. I'm making decisions in the voting booth because these are the decisions that they will feel the brunt of as they get older. And so I'm trying to make a path for them as they get older so that they will not have to you know they'll have it you know my life wasn't hard growing up so i don't want their life to be hard growing up you know as it relates to society so that's also another subject so we have these political you know i got a group of you know pol uh, political people that you know i feel like are my family the blexit movement is is you know has birthed by candace owens and then we had kanye west come out you know which was a huge deal for him to you know start assuaging uh conservative ideas and i felt like everything was good you know i, I was sound in my in my thinking you know my friends my wife you know she started to she got on board and was like you know what this is the right way um you know some of my friends started coming around and i felt comfortable in starting being vocal about the fact that I was a conservative. Yes, I voted for Donald Trump. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not a closet Trump supporter. I'm not a closet conservative. But then I started paying attention to certain things that I started seeing that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And it started with Candace Owens. It started last year. When George Floyd died and the George Floyd riots broke out and, you know, George Floyd was being hailed as this martyr and Candace Owens did this famous, she did this rant. She went on Instagram live and did this rant where she just trashed George Floyd. I mean, she dogged him to no end. And what made me pause and look at her differently was although i agreed with what she was saying i thought the manner in which she delivered that message was extremely disrespectful i thought it was very tacky i i didn't think it was i didn't think it helped her at all and so that really made me look at her like really like is this what we doing 
So I kind of put a pin in that. And from there on, I started to see like small patterns in some of the differences in black conservatism. And this is herein lies the problem. There are there's a there's a there's a rift where there's this infighting between black conservatives and this is the problem because what I have now seen as these voices there are two you know on on two sides of you know within within the conservative family there's infighting and the difference is you have the Candace Owens you have Brandon Tatum you have Larry Elder these are all brilliant minded people they have great opinions and perspectives on what it means to be conservative and black in America. However, the problem that I have with these people is they condescend the people that they are trying to win to conservative ideas. And that came to the forefront when a couple of months ago, Candace Owens again, and I'll keep saying her name because she is the one that has been causing me to re-examine uh, some of these people that I have put on my list of, you know, black conservatives that I align with. Candace Owens did a, another rant on Instagram Live back when the president, uh, President Biden decided to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. And she went on this rant about how, you know, it was unnecessary and black people shouldn't be concerned with Juneteenth and we need to focus on the 4th of July. And it just, it went viral. And again, I thought, I agree with the points that you're making. However, you're not helping your cause by the way you're speaking to black people. And it really started making me think that she's not, I realized she's not talking to black people in these rants. She is appealing to white conservatives because she wants their approval. And that made me start looking at the manner in which Brandon Tatum does his delivery. Larry Elder does his delivery. These are all people that they they're black conservatives, but they condescend to black people. They are not trying to win Ray Ray on the block or June bug around the way and convince him that, you know, this is why you need to think differently about how you vote. And this is a reason that, you know, in my mind, voices like Angela Stanton, you know, Maj Toure, these have become some of my favorite voices in the black conservative movement. Sonny Johnson, um, Adrian Norman. These are all voices that I'm looking at like, okay, these are people that get it. They are saying the same thing and they're on message al along with Brandon Tatum, Candace Owens and Larry Elder. But they're not condescending black people and making them feel stupid. It's counterproductive when you hear these black conservatives rail black people and say, how can black people be so dumb and keep voting Democrat? If you keep voting Democrat, then you're a dummy or you're an idiot or black people are so stupid. That is not how you get people to warm up to your ideas or to even want to listen to you. And that started, you know, I had to go back to things that I heard where, you know, Hotep Jesus, I got to give him credit. He was the first person I saw in these videos years ago when he started saying Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk are not who y'all think they are. And so we have to be careful that we get sucked into 
you know, these the, uh, the personas of these people who seem like they have our best interest in mind, but they have their own self-preservation at the end of the day that they're concerned about, though they say that they're for the black community. And I don't think the Candace started out that way. I don't think Brandon Tatum started out that way. I don't think Larry Elder started out that way. And these are people that I love and I, I, I respect them. I have great respect for Larry Elder. But he does condescend black people. I've heard I've heard him, you know, do I've heard him in, in, in conversations where it's just like, man, that's not how you it's not how you win. And, and, and the way I look at it is like when you are, you know, me being a Christian, you know, our job as Christians is to win souls and, and, and make, you know, people, you know, believers in Christ and to win them to salvation. And. It's the same concept of meeting people where they are, getting on their level so that they can wrap their minds about the message that you're giving them to say, you know what, this is who Jesus is. You know, this is what he can do for you. This is how your life can be impacted and changed and so on and so forth. And then you turn people on to the idea that there is a better, you know, there's a better um, alternative. But when you condescend people and say, you know, or you 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 going to hell if you keep living like that, or you gonna you gonna die in sin if you don't change your ways. And how could you be so foolish and let the devil use you the way? And that whole spiel that doesn't work. I've seen it firsthand. I've seen you know people ch- completely check out when that you know that that route is taken in terms of trying to convince somebody that what you have for them is better than the situation that they're in right now. And that's why I appreciate Maj Charest. That's why I appreciate Angela Stanton. That's why I appreciate these voices like Adrian Norman. Um, even the, you know, the from the Hispanic community, Rich Valdez. Um, I love these voices. I love listening to these people. Sonny Johnson. They're not, they, they're trying to be the voice for people in the black community that, just they don't know why they vote Democrat. They don't know why, you know, they continue to vote the same way and expect different results. And so when you have somebody that's coming into the community to talk to them on their level and explain it to them to where they can take it in and internalize it and say, you know what? I do see it. I see it that way. That helps. And that's why the black community has rejected Candace Owens. That's why the black community rejects Brandon Tatum. You know, that's why the black community is not warm on Larry Elder, because they listen to the language that they use where it concerns the black community. And I I have started to see that. And it's very dangerous. And this is the problem with black conservatives. We are not able to stay on message across the board because it's not just, you know, the inner city blacks that we're trying to. You know, you know, people that are have already made their decisions to be be conservative or to have a conservative mindset. Those people have already, you know, made their choice. We need to be going into the inner cities and to these urban, you know, urban areas to convince these people that there is an alternative. Not saying that they need to make the change and be conservative. Just offer them a choice. Say there's an alternative. Did you know? Most black people don't even know that there's an alternative. Because black people are the only ethnic group in America 
that consistently vote the same way in every election cycle. No other ethnic group does it other than black people. We consistently vote democratically. There's really rarely a break from that trend. You know, you started to see a break from it in 2020 where Donald Trump's numbers for black and Hispanic voters were, you know, he got more in the 2020 election than he did in the 2016 election. So there's a shift that's happening. And I think if we don't capitalize on that shift or that trend and find out how to um, ride that trend and make those numbers grow, then it's, it's, it's pointless. We have to do better. We have to we have to find a better way to communicate with these people. So um, that's the problem I see is nothing against Candace Owens. She is doing what she thinks is right. Brandon Tatum is doing what he thinks is effective. Larry Elder, who's currently running for governor of California, which I'm excited about. I'm glad that he's running. I'm glad that we have so many um, black conservatives that are running for these governorship uh, positions right now. You have Larry Elder in California, Alan West in Texas, Vernon Jones in Georgia, uh, James Craig in Michigan. These are all black conservatives that are running for governorship. And I'm sure there are more around the country. Those are just the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. So, um, you know, we, we you have to catch you catch more flies with honey. And I think that that's something that is missing in a lot of the loudest voices in the black conservative movement. And so I think that that's why I have started to scale back on, you know, how much I listen to these voices. And I have started to bring these other not so known voices up to the forefront. Again, Maj Ture, Angela Stanton, Adrian Norman, Rich Valdez, Anthony, Brian Logan, uh, these are some of the names that I'm finding out, you know, these are the people that they're balanced. They have great introspection. They have a great perspective on the black community. And I think that there's a lot of value there um, in terms of, you know, letting black people know that, hey, there's an alternative. That's all we want you to do is just hear us out. But if you get to a point where you shut people down to the point where they don't even hear you, then your message is falling on dead ears. You're not being received. And then when your message is not received, then black people get labeled as stupid for not listening to you. And that's not right. I watched Candace Owens try to cancel Kimberly Klasick a couple of months ago where she went on Instagram because Kimberly Klasick did a tweet and they had a tweet. They went back and forth on Twitter because Kimberly Klasick said what I said. Your message on Juneteenth did not go over well. She didn't say that. I'm paraphrasing. But she basically checked her on, you know what? Maybe you should be more mindful about how you say things. And Candace didn't like that. She went after Kimberly Klasick. She tried to get her canceled. It didn't work. And to me, I thought that was, I thought for one, that was just like super petty that she would, you know, this is somebody who's trying to, you know, they're in the same fight. You're in the same fight together. And this is an ally that you want to cancel because she disagreed with your messaging. And not only did Candace try to cancel Kimberly Clasic, she tried to destroy her. I mean, 
she made criminal accusations against her that would have called for an investigation. And I just thought that that was like, you know what? There's a problem here. And the problem is evident because there's such a rift between, you know, these these black conservatives and the infighting and needs to stop. We have to find some kind of way to, to come together because liberals and the left, they have mastered the art of staying on message and not letting their infighting spill out into the public. Conservatives are horrible at that. We just have no grasp of it at all. And it's it's just it's retarded. Yes, I said that. So. Um, again, check out Maj Ture, Angela Stanton is back on Instagram after they deleted her. I don't know how many times, uh, Maj Ture's page, Black Guns Matter, his organization, Anthony Brian Logan, uh, Robinson Blanchard, Free Blanch. He is Blanchard, uh, on Instagram. That's also a gem. One of the greatest Instagram follows that I've had over the last six months. So, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you hearing me rant about my personal journey. Thank you so much. We'll see you on the next episode.